this is Brian Hudson, and welcome to Conversations in Focus here on Vision Stream Network. This program concept is very simple. I want to bring people who I believe are making a positive impact in our community, in God's kingdom, and we have here today a couple who are doing exactly that. I want to welcome to our uh, studio today, Jim and Nancy Cotterill. Welcome, Jim. Thank welcome you, Nancy. Thank you. So good to have you. Jim and Nancy have a big heart for our city, and that big heart is translated into actions and deeds and work that's been done to impact our community. <laughs> they lead an organization called Unite Indy, and on the website, it says this, Unite Indy mobilizes volunteers, expertise, and other resources on behalf of urban churches, ministries, and other charities that are struggling to meet the ever-growing needs of those they serve. Now, I'm a first-hand witness to the beginning of this organization, and I have been blessed to see the progress and the work that's been done over the past, how many years? Three, four years now? Over two. two. Yeah. two yeah. Over two Going years. Going on three years. Yeah. Going on three right. years. Yeah. Seems like a lot more time has gone mm -hmm. because the work has been so <laughs> fruitful. And so I want to have a conversation with Jim and Nancy and have them talk to us about United Indy, about our city, about what it means to serve people and make a positive impact in their lives. Now, first of all, on the webpage, I read this brief bio about Jim and Nancy. It says this, deeply touched by the effects of poverty, poor education, unemployment, fatherless families, homelessness, violent crime, substance abuse, mental illness, and other major issues that plague people in their own community, Jim and Nancy Cottero founded Unite Indy to raise awareness and resources to meet needs of those in the inner city in Indianapolis. That's a very concise statement. So my first question to you, Jim and Nancy, is why did you start Unite Indy? Well, um, I had spent time working with what we called high capacity givers through the National Christian Foundation and heard a lot of stories about uh, what they were supporting and where they were giving. And just over a period of time, I did that for a decade, I started feeling like I was too far from need. I learned more about what was going on with local ministries and charities and churches, urban churches, and just felt there was a need to really get involved and get a whole lot closer to need. Yes, and Nancy, how did you uh, also come to that conclusion? Well, you know, God takes us down different paths, and Jim, before he uh, got involved with the National Christian Foundation, where there were high-capacity givers, I had uh, witnessed my husband go through a terrible health issue where he had a terrible bike accident and was paralyzed for a time. Mm. And um, after that happened and we went through it and he got better, I started um, a not-for-profit called People on Wheels. And it was to address the accessibility needs and the uh, news needs of people who were in wheelchairs. And there are millions of them across the United States. And they all have the same kind of problems with accessibility. So I kind of had gotten my feet wet with that. And um, that was taken over by the American Association of Wheelchair Users. But um, then Jim came home with this, that we've got to do something about our city. Uh, we've got a lot of money coming in, but it's going overseas, a lot of it. It's going to other places. They're, and they're, those are good things to do. Yes. You know, Those are important areas of need. But what about our city? So I got 
taken in by Jim, <laughs> who said, we need to do this. And, and I totally agreed. We needed to do this. And he um, needed a partner in that. So I have been happily going along with it. Yes. Well, as I said in my introduction, uh, the work is fruitful. And I've seen, as I said, firsthand a lot of what you're doing. And it's pretty impressive. Um, as you watch our program, there's a website on the screen, uniteindy.org. Please check it out. It's a very well-written and well-designed site. The information is all there. Uh, I want to ask Jim about your philosophy. I noticed that you value relationships. Yes. And you work with people. You sit with people. You have meetings and invite people. Why have you chosen the approach of relationship building? I think it's all about relationships, really. Um, we don't get anywhere until we really see individuals as people and get to understand them. Uh, we don't all have the same backgrounds. So we thought it was key when we started United Indy to get together with urban pastors because they are the feet on the street. They're the people on the front lines. And just to say to them, we don't know what we're going to do for you. We're, we're not going to stand up here and talk about what we're going to do. We need to know what your needs are. So really, we started out by asking three questions and then concentrating on the answers we got. And they were, uh, what are the top three needs of the community that your church serves? What are the top three needs of your church? And what are the top three needs that you have as individuals, as pastors, as husbands, as fathers, as members of your own community? And boy, the floodgates just opened, and it was overwhelming. And so learning that had we not asked those questions, we wouldn't have developed the relationships with the people to know what they needed. Then what we try to do is take those relationships and connect them to other relationships we have to find the help that they need in those areas. That was refreshing. When I heard you were starting United Indy, I was concerned like, oh, here we go again. Mm -hmm. Someone with a solution looking for a problem. <laughs> but you came in listening asking questions, listening, and then designing around what you, what you learned. And that's the way we should serve, you know. Mm -hmm. That's the best way to serve. And so we are very thankful for the work that you're doing and the connections that are being made. I've met many brothers and sisters in Christ and people in the community through, you know, your work. Next question I'm going to ask you is this. Uh, now, your vision, your mission, first of all, says connecting hearts, minds, and hands to meet needs in our community. And then the vision statement is, our city's image transforms from Indianapolis, the crossroads of America, to Indianapolis, the heart of America. Talk about that vision statement. That's a, that's a pretty thoughtful statement. I think you should talk about that because you well, came up with well, it. Well, okay. first of all, I think that the connecting hearts, minds, and hands mm -hmm. is a big thing to us. And this is, goes back to what Jim was talking about, about meeting the urban leaders in their place and saying, what should we do? And one of the things we knew immediately from these um, meetings is that they needed connections not only with each other, but they needed connections with people that were outside of their urban area that could come in and help when that, when that was necessary. And in fact, help those people, help on the other end. Um, I think that what we need to do as a city is have this interconnectedness like a net. So much so that, that when you need something, you've got always somebody to call. There, you know people, so many people so well that there's always someone to help. 
And that's what well-connected people have automatically. Everybody isn't automatically well-connected. And we feel with that safety net, we are the heart of America, not just the the crossroads that people drive through to get to somewhere else. This is a place that could be known as a city that doesn't let people fall through the cracks. We're, we're We're in a great place and time. We're a great size for this. Chicago's, I came from Chicago. Mm-hmm. It's too big. Yes. There's, there are cities that are too small. We are that just right size mm-hmm. that we can know each other and we can care about each other if we just know what each other needs and, and, and say, yeah, I could do that. And that's what we're looking for. Well, I've seen that. The past two years, that's what we've seen. We've seen that not just passing as crossroads pass, we're more of a convergence occurring mm-hmm. now. Mm-hmm. And a convergence is what we're after, where mm-hmm. we come together and we mend people's hearts, we, we blend our skills and talents and resources. So so the concept is so far so good. God's helping. I also noticed that, Nancy, you, you're quite a writer yourself. You maintain a blog, mm-hmm. and sometimes Jim posts to it as well. But talk about the blog and what it means to you to post monthly to your blog. I find that it is, um, it is work. And it is the, and you can't always say what you want to say because sometimes, you know, we get frustrated with um, the fact that people want to work in their own silos, that they don't want to connect, mm. and we think that uh, connection is the key to bringing about this united city that we really envision and would be we think good for everyone. And um, so sometimes you're a little bit frustrated because we want to bring into that interconnectedness. But the blog is fun to write. It's, um, I, I help Jim with his quote of the month. I, I, you know, he, he decides the quote most of the time, but I'm the one who probably does most of the writing on it. But um, we, we have a regular schedule of writing, and we think that it shows um, who we are and what we stand for. Well, my sense of the blog for me is giving me an intellectual and philosophical foundation of what you're doing. Yeah, that's right. Sometimes websites just have, here's an event, here's the calendar. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. But the blog is educating and informing, I believe, people well, around the vision and mission statement. <laughs> sure. One, yes. can, I, one can only hope. <laughs> I can't tell you how many times I've heard Nancy say, oh, I have a blog post coming up. And the next morning she'll wake up and say, God gave me this idea. Oh, that this is just amazing. He, he's all over it. Yeah. So it's great. Well, just to be sure, it's making a difference, Nancy. Good, thank you. And for those of us who need to read things to see what something is about, yeah. that blog is essential. It thank really you. is. Yeah, it really is. We're in a soundbite society. I know people want to have sound bites, but a lot of us still like to read and know the foundation of what we're looking at. Yeah. yeah. Let me ask you this. Um, what are two or three of the success support stories that you've seen coming out of your work with Unite Indy? Well, I'll give you a couple examples. Um, we had a, uh, a ministry that uh, works with homeless teens, Outreach, and uh, they posted on our site that they needed uh, a whole list of things at Christmas time. Uh, I think it was the year before last. Uh, coats and scarves and gloves and I mean we're talking hundreds here Mm. so I think what they expected was that through all the people that look at the site that they might be able to get most of this stuff at the same time I was working with a a business that we were bringing in as a new business partner 
and a business partner can work with us in a number of different ways. Uh, this one was talking about how they wanted to get their people out as groups to volunteer together. But before that was going to be done, right at the end of the year, they said, we'd like to get started on developing this culture of generosity before we start giving them paid time off after the first of the year to serve. What can we do? And I said, we'll take a look at the site, and there'll be needs posted there, and maybe there are some things you can do. Well, Outreach's needs grabbed them, and that company's employees gave almost every single item that Outreach asked for. So they ended up with a couple trucks delivering a couple skids full of coats and scarves and gloves and all the things that were needed. So that was just a great gift to Outreach and all those homeless teens to know that there are people out there who love them enough and care enough about them to give all those things they needed. Yeah. So that felt very rewarding to Absolutely. us, just to be in the middle of that, to make that connection. And then another one I think would be an urban church uh, that had an after-school program, and they had great needs for that. And the church, suburban church that we connected them with, and the pastor on a Sunday uh, gave out a notice that we were going to help this uh, urban church with their needs, expecting maybe we could come up with $10,000 or something in that regard, came up with over twice that much. And the urban pastor was just absolutely blown away when he found out what was done. So that felt pretty good, too. Well, I'll tell you, that's, I'm sure that's what you had in, in mind and heart and hope that would happen when you Hoping. began. Yes. Right. And so it's good to see that, that, that vision from the Lord and, and that the labors are bearing fruit. And again, I just, you know, I know of some things you're doing, and to hear those two stories, I didn't know about those two stories, so that's great. And, um, and again, to people who are watching this and listening, uh, go to uniteindy.org, and again, it's a very good website. All the opportunities are there to volunteer, to donate, and to connect, so please go there. Let me ask you next here, what are some of the major concerns you have for Urban Indy? What concerns you about our city? Uh, well, I'll do this and you can have whatever you want, but um, we've come up really with three major concerns. Um, and this came from the pastors to us and from the ministries that we're working with as well. The number one major concern is that we're losing so many sons and fathers and daughters and aunts and uncles and uh, just people that are being murdered senselessly oh, in our city. Yeah. Uh, that rate is just going up in a ridiculous number. I guess it's down a little bit right now this year from last year, but in the last six or seven years, it's done nothing it's but go 65% up. 65% right. yeah. increase in seven years. Yeah, mm -hmm. and violent crime. Violent so crime. that just disturbs us the most because we know they're all God's children and mm -hmm. they were all made in his image. Yeah. And these are our neighbors. These aren't people over there and we live over here and we yeah. don't need to worry about it. Yeah. These are our brothers mm -hmm. and sisters. So we're trying to really wake people up in that regard. Uh, another is reentry, mm -hmm. the battle that people are fighting. It's hard enough to get a job for some yes. people today, but it's quadruply or more hard <laughs> if you're coming out of incarceration and yes. you check that block on a form and let people know you've been incarcerated. So we're actually now developing a website that we believe will be the first second chance job website in central Indiana for people coming out of the Department of Corrections or the Marion County Jail. So that's a second one. Mm -hmm. And a third really is payday loans. The um, just astronomical, ridiculous rate of interest that these companies are allowed to charge the poorest among us. 
But payday loans are small loans, and they're taken out by people who they're not buying a car in most cases. They're trying to get grocery no money. Asset, they right. need mm -hmm. they need something right now. And for some people, it is a fact of life to have a payday loan. Um, what they're not aware of, and they almost don't have time to look into it, is that there are huge fees attached. There are interest rates attached that are much higher than others. And in fact, the legislature set um, top annual percentage rate is 391 percent. And that, of course, figures in these fees that they're taking. And so another thing is you can't pay a payday loan off in increments. You have to pay the whole thing off all at once. Who does that? Who has the money to yeah. do that? If you're in the first place, if you've got to have it for groceries, how can you do that? It is honestly the raping of the people who are most vulnerable in our city. And some states have taken the leap of capping it at 36%. 36% is the top APR rate for um, active military set by the government. Mm -hmm. We think that's a fair rate yes. and one that is high enough that will allow, because some of the loans won't always get paid, that'll allow enough profit for these companies to continue in business. But that has got to stop, and we have got to get behind that. And again, thank you for raising you know, our attention to these concerns. Now, mm -hmm. a couple years ago, I attended, the first event I attended was a conversation on race relations, mm -hmm. and you held that at Crossroads. In fact, you hired my company to, to film and live stream, yes. yeah, and you did which, a is, great which job. is great. But that was a great conversation over at Crossroads Bible College and what progress have you seen from, from that interaction, those conversations? What fruit have you seen born in race relations? Oh, boy, I can, I can just think of a number of cases where people came to us right away and said, before we either saw it, if they were at the event, or mm -hmm. read it, because we printed a piece that had basically the whole transcript of the discussion, and we printed 30,000 of those. There's and there's a PDF on the, the website, website as well. Yeah, yeah mm -hmm. that's right. So people mm -hmm. can read it there. Yes. And th they would say, before that, I didn't really understand some of the terms like white privilege or Black Lives Matter. But mm -hmm. now that I understand the perspective that it came from on the other side, it's easier to deal with than it was before. Yes. So I thought that that really eased some tensions in yes. a lot of ways and got people having a really uh, a very good, healthy discussion. We need to talk about these things. We yes. can't just brush them off. It, all it teaches me, basically, is that I grew up where I grew up in the situation I grew up in, and I'm talking to somebody else on the other side of the table that grew up in a different place with experiencing trauma that I never experienced, not having a dad that got up in the morning and went to work, so they had this kind of built-in work ethic that mm -hmm. I grew up with. Right. I didn't do any of that. Right. I just kind of inherited all that. Well, had I grown up in the same situation they did by not having that as an example in multi-generational poverty, I might make a mistake that would, I'd end up being incarcerated as well. Yes. So if I'm looking at somebody like that, I can't say they're less of a human being than I am because I could be right there and they could be on my side of the table. That's the quick uh, perspective. I think that what happens is we get lost in our narratives, false narratives often mm -hmm. about one another, but conversations break those narratives down, or at least bring light you know, to what the issue really is. We had also a forum two years later 
on unemployment form over at Brookside mm -hmm. Church. Mm -hmm. Talk about the results and the fruit coming from that forum dealing with unemployment. I think a lot of the fruit from that has been the explosion of effort around reentry. Mm -hmm. We see these areas, these pockets in Indianapolis that have 21% unemployment at a time when there was 5%. Now it's down to something like 3%. I mean, we've got a, a great job market right now. That's wonderful. And that is helping fuel this reentry yes. situation. But prior to that, we were still seeing all these these deep pockets of unemployment in Indianapolis. And a lot of it is this. We had um, people who were coming out of prisons. We've got 4,500 returnees to Marion County out of our various prison and jail systems mm -hmm. every year, 4,500. And where do they go? They go to the same place that they came from, in some cases, the most poverty-stricken places. And so when you drive by and you see a bunch of guys sitting on the step, these are guys who can't get jobs, not guys necessarily that don't want to get jobs. Right. They want to get jobs. So now we've got full employment, and we've still got the issue of the reentry people who have done something, and the employer's a little afraid. You know, they're going to be liable if something else happens. Well, we're, we're kind of blowing that up. We're kind of getting enough people involved now that say, look, these people did something wrong once. It doesn't mean they're going to do it again. Right. Let's take it individual by individual and give people a chance. And I think that that's really been the fruit of that entire effort on our part. In my experience, I work with a ministry called Jesus Inside Prison Ministry, yes. so they called Jesus House. Matter mm -hmm. of fact, just yes. this morning, I, had two, I hired two men helping us do some things here this morning. And my sense is a lot of guys who reenter society, which... We now use the term returning citizens versus ex-convict. Right. And that these guys are, are eager to prove themselves. Yes. That's the thing they, they miss. These guys are ready to work. Mm -hmm. They want to come back and show what they can do. And, in fact, the experience at Jesus' house has been uh, people call at Jesus' house to hire people because mm -hmm. everybody that comes out of there, it's, it, well, they do discipleship. They do the first month, no, no employment. Bible study, morning, noon, evening. Excellent. And once they get to that phase, they can then work uh, some hours. And the experience has been over all, all these years, 30 years now, is that the guys who come through that program, they come and get hired and stay hired and do good work. And so now the demand we find for returning citizens and these programs is people are going to begin contacting organizations that are servicing these brothers and sisters mm -hmm. because they've been found to be reliable workers. Yes. Right. That's what's happening. Yeah. Right. So, he's giving, so giving them a chance makes all the difference in the world. Well, you know, uh, Jesus Christ is the great redeemer. And mm -hmm. when you are hopeless and helpless in a prison situation, I know I have a friend in prison who has been in 21 years, and I think he's had one visit from a family Mama. member one time. Um, and he, he and I exchange letters, and I don't think he gets any letters from his family either, or at least he hasn't for many years. And when you went to go to a person like that and you say, there is a God that loves you no matter what, no matter what you did, he loves you. He likes you. He loves you where you are. You don't have to clean up to come to his throne. Mm -hmm. That is a very powerful yes, message. Yes, <laughs> Yeah, my granddad, uh, I'm a pastor. My granddad was my pastor. And I had mentors and such. And one mentor said to me, said, oh, you must catch them before you cling them. 
<laughs> I love that. Yeah. I've not heard yeah. you say that before. Yes, I, and I, I love that. that. I learned that. It's, it's so true. We have to just not, our narratives, again, our narratives can prevent us from reaching out to people. Yes. Yeah. It's just love people the way Jesus did. Mm-hmm. Let me ask you this now. Um, you've been serving for a long time be, uh, before United Indy. You've been doing community service and different types of service. Just talk to the people here who are viewing and listening about what are some keys to effective service? Well, I would say, first of all, yeah, I would say, first of all, um, take the step and do it. Mm -hmm. Um, People spend a lot of time thinking about volunteering and asking a lot of questions and trying to figure it out. I'd say jump in and try something. And usually what you'll find out nine times out of ten is it's such a rewarding experience that you'll feel so much better about it than you expected to, then you want to do it again. And eventually you kind of find your place. You work into your place. It's kind of like shoes, though. Mm -hmm. You have to try them on. You might want to work at a pantry and help and find that you, oh boy, you just, that's not for you. Don't give up. There are things that you you might, should be working with children instead. I mean, there are all kinds of different things you can do. Sure. And I say, talking about children, then we'll get back to that too, but... um, one thing you might try is take somebody along with you who you feel comfortable working with, whether that's a coworker or a relative, whatever. Ask them to go with you and go together and experience it together. And if, um, if, if you're a parent and children are allowed where you're going to work, take them along with you because then you're creating a generational thing of service an attitude of service, and that's fantastic. But I will say if you're an employee at a business, Go to your employer and say, what can we do to bring a group together to go out and serve together mm-hmm. and see if you can get that going in your workplace. And it can be a fun, really team-building experience as well as rewarding personally. Yes. Well, you know, they say that with money you should um, spend some, you should save some, and you should give some. Mm-hmm. With your time, yeah. you should save some for yourself, yeah. and you should give some to others. and. People often don't think about that, and that is really the enriching part of that to get involved. I've spoken to young people. We have had programs, as you know, media camps mm-hmm. and such for young people. And when we coach them and mentor them, we also say to them that as you look toward going to college and making an application to college, uh, grades are very important, always will be. But now there's a service aspect now that are being that's being considered along with your grades and experience Mm -hmm. academically they want to know that there's a service mentality so serving is now become almost required you know to be considered uh, for admission to these schools and it's just basic to God's nature and our nature to serve Mm -hmm. and someone once said that service is the rent we pay as citizens I heard that somewhere. You know, and there are some people who maybe because of physical disabilities Mm -hmm. or some other reason, maybe they're working two jobs and they're just too busy to go work somewhere. I will tell you, and I know that you will agree with me, Mm -hmm. not much gets done without money. And if you can give $10 a week to an organization that you like, the work they're doing, if you can give more than that, give money. Money yes. is the oil that makes the people with the, who are on the ground uh, getting their hands dirty, doing the work, happen. So yes. definitely consider that, too. Yes. My mother was a great servant. Um, I remember when she became very ill and couldn't go like she wanted. She worked. Mm-hmm. She served 
at a call center. Mm-hmm. Taking oh, taking I, calls for people wanting prayer and sure. encouragement. And writing letters. Writing letters. Oh, There's all kind of ways yeah. to serve. If you want yeah. to serve, there's ways to serve. Yeah. There are ways to serve. I've seen some photographs of a new facility. And I've seen before <laughs> and after pictures as well. So, so talk about this new facility. I'm going to show pictures on the screen while we're talking. But talk sure. about this facility that you all have acquired well, let, and remodeled. Let me say first. <laughs> Jim was just adamant that we establish an office, a a meeting place, because we want to unite people, you need a meeting place. And we had been down in uh, the Stutz building, which is a wonderful place, but you pretty much have to drop crumbs to find your way in and out of any <laughs> of the specific offices. You know how it is in oh, the Stutz yeah. building. So, so he really, and he was trolling. I mean, people probably had reported him to the police because he had gone by so many times <laughs> up and down the streets looking for a place. So here's this little building on 38th Street, and it is sh- in shambles. And he, he said, look, look that up. I, at the time, was able, I had some person that could get look up things. And and uh, he's, and I said, well, this is funny. It's for sale. It didn't have a for sale sign right. up. I mean, God was saving this building for us. I'm not kidding. So we got a hold of a 950-square-foot building that was about falling in on itself. And uh, now you've, uh, you've hooked up with our yes. renovators. Yes, yeah, yeah. We uh, <laughs> signed a contract with a group called New Life Development Ministries, and it happens to be a reentry ministry, which means that uh, Reverend Eugene Potter, who runs it, takes people who come out of incarceration and they teach them construction trades, whether it be roofing or siding or plumbing or electrical. And uh, then some go to work for him for a while and then they move on to other places. Some start their own companies. So we worked uh, strictly with folks who were coming out of incarceration which is another thing that got us really involved in reentry. Again, you'd see these folks who were, you're looking at yourself basically on the other side and knowing that you could be there as well and that they've been given a second chance and that they want to make the most of it and they did the work. And now every time we look at the building, we can say that was done by the hands of somebody who was helped by a, a pastor who wanted to give them a second chance. So it, it feels good. And uh, we got the product out of it, and we finally got it done. It took a while, I can say that. It took a long time, but uh, we're very happy with it now. Yeah, I've seen it over the years, before and after, and, you know, as a visionary, (laughs) sometimes people don't understand what you see. And you get excited about things. People are like, you want that? Are you sure you want to work with that piece of property? But when God puts it in your heart, and you bring the expertise in, like with Brother Potter, is it? Yes. Mm-hmm. And you can just trans- anything can be tra- transform anything. So let me ask you now, what are some upcoming events? And looking at your calendar, what should we be aware of? What can we support okay. in the coming uh, couple of months? We're looking at events a little bit differently than we have in the past. Uh, what we're trying to put together right now is what I would call meet the need Uh, meetups, Mm -hmm. and that would be people coming together on different topics. So maybe it's homelessness, and we have Rick Elvis there from Wheeler Mission, and we have the new Jason Chenoweth of Outreach, and we have Maurice Young come in, and we've got a panel, basically, that Nancy will talk to about homelessness and really getting the issues out on the table, because they're all approaching it differently, too. One serving teens, the other serving 
adults, one serving people who are living out on the street and not coming into a place like Wheeler, which is very controversial today as well. Yeah. But where especially young people who have the desire to serve, to go out and work, but they're a little apprehensive because they don't know anything about it yet, and they want to learn, they can come in and go deep and talk to experts about what's going on in their field. So one day it's homelessness, the next day it's hunger, not day, but maybe the next yes. month or so, uh, the next it's poverty. We're just gonna go into each area, especially all those relating to poverty, and try to really dig into them and help people learn. I think you'll see we've making, we're making a little transition here. We've had the website up for a long time and it continues and it's a place to find volunteer opportunities and donation opportunities. Mm -hmm. But I don't know what your experience is, but our experience with millennials is that they want to do this kind of work and they talk about it. But I often will ask them, so where do you volunteer? And they look at me rather blankly because, mm -hmm. in fact, that they don't. And I don't think it's an easy thing for them to understand. Maybe they're not churchgoers. Maybe they were as kids, but they're not going now. And they don't really know how to plug in. And so we're trying through these meetups to really engage a younger audience. We don't want to just talk to the old guys who've been around doing this and yes. always already have a heart for it. We want to get the younger people to be involved because we think that's where the future is. That concept is sound. I spoke with a gentleman, a uh, brother named um, Brother Gonzalez, Merlin Gonzalez. Yes. Yeah, Faith, Hope, and Love. Yes. Uh, Mission of Food Pantry. I know. Well, the one yeah. thing he said that got, uh, caught my attention was it's not so much about events as it is about a lifestyle. Mm -hmm. Events come and go. Yes. But a lifestyle and a process is ongoing. Mm -hmm. So I think I hear you saying that with these meetings, it's more, it's more of a, a lifestyle opportunity to come in and learn and, and sit with people and then, then begin to walk together around hopefully that concern. Hopefully, yes. Yeah. Versus an event. Events are important, you know, yes. draw attention. Mm -hmm. and, but events, they, they, they occur, they, they start, they stop, and it's over. Mm -hmm. But what you're proposing, I think, sounds to me more like a lifestyle opportunity. Yes. Mm -hmm. uh, the chance to learn a lifestyle and a way of living and uh, uh, serving and understanding uh, issues around, around those meetings. Yes, yeah, yes that's exactly right. Yes. Being hosted at the, what's the facility called? What, what call it just headquarters? What do you call your new facility? Oh, yeah. our 964 square foot world headquarters. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, let me ask you this final question. How can our listeners and viewers get involved with Unite Indy? Well, uh, the simplest way would be to um, just go to uniteindy.org and look at the opportunities that are there. Hit the volunteer button. Hit the volunteer button, yeah. certainly. And is, you're not volunteering immediately, but it allows you to look at all the opportunities that are available there. And then I would also say, as any ministry, it takes money to operate ours as well. So we give you the ability to donate to the ministry, too, so that we can publicize the needs that are in the community. All these things take dollars. Support the website uh, development. Yeah, yeah, website development, the development of the website for uh, second chance employment. And we've got all kinds of options to do this that are can be completely painless, like donating your change. You'll see there's a Roundup app available there. So you can, each purchase you make, if you spend $1.50, it'll add another 50 cents to it. And that'll be held for the month and then given to us in bulk. And you can 
put a high or a low limit on that as well. So there are just all kinds of opportunities to just give from a credit card. Sure. Well, great. Uh, so that's uniteindy.org. Again, on the screen, please visit the website, support Jim and Nancy, and we are very happy to see what God is doing uh, through them. I've been speaking again with Jim and Nancy Cottero with Unite Indy. I want to thank you all for coming in thank today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for the opportunity. This program is designed to bring people who are making a great difference in our community. So please uh, visit our podcast. We have also a YouTube channel, Facebook page. Again, look for Vision Stream Network, and this program is called Conversations in Focus. So until next time, this is Brian Hudson. We have a great day. <laughs>